This athletic podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favorite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all the games. The Bet365 Bet Builder will allow you to make personalized bets via the app, so you can go on and bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Speak of the Devil and Carl Anker will appear. Hello, listener, and welcome back to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, Eric Bailly's back, Bruno Fernandes is brilliant, and Harry Maguire has just kicked someone in the balls. Yes, Manchester United have gone to Stamford Bridge and won, yet again. To help me make sense of what was truly a mad cup game of football on Monday night, I'm joined, as usual, by Laurie Whitwell, The Athletic's Manchester United writer. Laurie, how are you? And help me summarise what on earth I've just seen. Yeah, it was it was a kind of comical game, wasn't it? In many respects, um, I thought United were pretty dreadful to begin with. To be perfectly honest, uh, somehow uh, got the goal after, seconds after I tweeted how bad Anthony Marshall had been. Uh, perfect timing, uh, and then obviously VAR uh, making some uh, kind of hilarious interventions, really that really really antagonised the uh, the Chelsea fans. We had quite a few arguments uh, in the in the uh, near us. Um but yeah, United have won. Huge, huge win, really, for for that Champions League spot. Um, could make all the difference coming into the season. It wasn't pretty, but they all count. So, also with us, as usual, is United We Stand editor and contributing right to the Athletic, Andy Mitten. He was at Stanford Bridge as well on Monday night. Andy, Manchester United up to seventh now. On the last podcast, you said Manchester United aren't very good at Stanford Bridge. What's going on? Well, not only have they won this game, they won the last game at Stamford Bridge and the one before that. And previously, they've been absolutely terrible. And even in the league, I think they won one out of the last 17 matches at Stamford Bridge. And it's just somewhere where even when United were at the best, they, they often had very, very poor results. Uh, what's going on? I can't fully answer because I don't know. I walked to the ground tonight and I wasn't overly optimistic. But then I wasn't in the FA Cup uh, last year either or in the in the Carabao Cup earlier on this season I thought United deserved their win they practiced a formation which they felt would stifle Chelsea and would work for Manchester United and they had moments of luck and they didn't start well as Laurie said but the two goals were were really well taken fantastic header from Anthony Martial and a fantastic header from Harry Maguire and at about time too I think Harry's He's had a good first season, but he hasn't been absolutely spectacular. I thought that it was probably his best game for United tonight. He hasn't always had the deliveries uh, which he's been able to get onto, but he had a great delivery from Bruno Fernandes, who I thought played well too. But my overriding feeling is it is a really, really important win. United had to avoid defeat against Chelsea. Not only did they do that, they got the three points and, and they've closed the gap on them to right down it would have been nine points if Chelsea would have won they all count so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gave clenched fists to the Manchester United fans at the end seemed very pleased with himself uh, you were at the post-match press conference Laurie what did he say 
Yeah, um, yeah, he was very pleased. I think he accepted that United weren't really um, all that much to begin with, um, but I think he's he was happy with the resilience. Um, they did a lot of things that I think he asked them to do, bring a bit of energy, um, some really good performances across the pitch. Luke Shaw, I thought, had a, a, another really good game as that left-sided centre-back after his sort of decent game at, at Liverpool. He's sort of been in good, um, showed a lot of fitness, actually, um, I thought, throughout the game, um, getting up and down. Um, he also reserved special praise for Eric Bailey, um, who, uh, you know, again, I thought started a little bit shakily, perhaps that rust that he had from not playing for, for so long, um, a couple of mistakes that maybe gave Chelsea opportunity to attack, but he really grew into the game. I mean, that, that Cruyff turn in his own box to then dribble out was, you know, elegant, uh, personified. And um, and then obviously the, the run to take away the defender for Harry Maguire, uh, Harry Maguire's goal at the corner, and then that block on Kovacic out of nowhere um, was spectacular and Solskjaer reserved special praise for that so um, I think he was he was happy he certainly wasn't getting carried away in the sense of thinking that his team is is clicking magnificently he knows there's, there's loads more work to do but I think he was you know allowed his satisfaction given we've had lots of criticism of him over the season and um, you know the, the comparison with Chelsea has been pointed at, uh, at times um, you know the fact that Frank Lampard has, has supposedly had a, a clear game plan style of play and, and Solskjaer hasn't well you know he's, he's obviously faced him three times this season won all the games first double over Chelsea since um, 88 I think it is um, and there's that mad stat isn't there about um, you know away games against Chelsea Man City has won five out of five which is more than um, United had had in 19 previous games under Fergie, Moyes, Van Gaal and Mourinho combined. So not a bad stat to have. You know, it obviously comes unstuck in, in games where, you know, you'd think United would win. Um, there's been some really dire games, but for his ability to pull it out when it matters, he's got an incredible knack for that. So you can never write him off, really. You never write him off. And another player you can't really write off is Eric Bailly. Bloody... Bloody hell, where did that come from? Andy, you spoke to Bay after the game. Um, what did he say? He, he had a blinder, didn't he? Well, when he finally got out of the shower, because he was the last player to leave the dressing room, he was very friendly and I, I walked with him back to the, the team coach. And he, he, he's quiet and measured and we spoke in Spanish because his English isn't... Um, isn't as good as he'd hope, although we finished a conversation in English and it sounded pretty decent to me, so he's clearly been learning. He was very, very pleased. He's not played football since that injury in Shanghai in, in the friendly game in July, and he said he'd had some difficult moments being out. He got told yes on the day before the game that he would be playing. He's been asking the manager to play. He said he felt he was ready to play, and it's Took him to settle into the game, as Laurie said, but how he settled into it. There were a couple of absolutely incredible moments. One where he dribbled the ball away, Cruyff turn like, as you said, and also that block in, in, in the second half. And I thought he looked very good alongside um, Harry Maguire. He, he spoke very well of Harry Maguire, which you would expect a player to do about his teammate, but he just feels he needs a change in look because he's had a lot of injuries and the club extended his contract by two years they took the option on that in January and he felt that 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 vindicated their faith in him and I don't doubt that he's a top player I watched him for Espanyol I watched him for Villarreal and I spoke to his his manager um, who gave him his professional debut for Espanyol's B team he's a mate of mine 
and he, he, he waited a year before Eric Bailly had the right papers to play in Spain. And he was raving about him from the start and delighted when he moved to Manchester United. And we've seen glimpses of how good he can be, a little bit rash at times maybe, but he's fast, he's, he's extremely strong and athletic. I think fans just need to see it on a more consistent level. Not that he, he wishes for injuries himself, but he just said that, I just want to be playing more and more. And the, the, the defensive partnership between Maguire and, and Lindelof, it has been one of the mainstays of the team. It's been very settled this season, but there are there are a couple of doubts about, about Lindelof. And if Bailey plays like that, then... It's it's great for the team because when he's on form, he's a, he's a top top level player. He showed that at Villarreal, and he's not really showed it enough at United. But if he plays like that against Chelsea away, having been out for so long, that all bodes really really well for the team. One thing we can say for sure is watching Eric Bailly is never dull. Uh, very good of you, Andy, to bring up Harry Maguire. He had a very interesting game. He uh, his goal was a real kick in the bollocks, shall we say, <laughs> Laurie? <laughs> Your thoughts on the foul and the goal, please. Yeah, I mean the 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 kick uh, that um, happened 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 right in front of us. You could see the Chelsea bench immediately stand up, and and you're thinking, wow, he's he's really risked it there. Um, I mean, I loved his excuse afterwards. He was just straightening his leg, uh, protecting himself from the the onslaught that was about to come from Batshuayi's body falling on top of him. I suppose in minor mitigation, you've got um, Batshuayi pushing him. Um, maybe the VAR has taken that into account, um, but I think he's he's pretty fortunate, isn't he, to stay on the pitch when when you when you kick someone in the knackers like that. I think <laughs> uh, you know we've seen more often than not uh, players get a red card. But listen, he stayed on the pitch um, and superb header um, for, from Bruno Fernandez's corner. And I mean they they you know the set piece delivery from Bruno Fernandez looked looked really good you know throughout the game really and, and previously has. So that's uh, positive certainly. Um, but I thought that, you know, the guide, the, the the way he he rode onto the ball and the guidance, you know, the direction that he put onto the ball, and then just continued his celebration. It was a great celebration in front of the away fans. You know, one of those chest out moments, really savouring um, the occasion, which I thought he had every right to do. Um, he's obviously waited a long time for that. That was one of the reasons why United bought him for that threat in the opposition box, and we just haven't seen it. Um, often enough this season, so many fouls that he's been um, conceding sort of at the far post, um, you know, being too, you know, physical, I guess, with, with his marker, which, you know, he's entitled to be in, in some respects, but clearly straying too far over the edge. I guess maybe he hasn't benefited from those kind of whip deliveries. It's often been floated balls and you're just sort of wondering why are they trying to do that. So, listen, hopefully that is a, a combination that can uh, work going forwards. Fernandez and Maguire, it did look good. Um, so, yeah. Positive signs. Absolutely. You felt like a goal that had been coming for a while. And you do mention there that, yeah, Bruno Fernandes' whip deliveries has really given something new to Manchester United's attacking armory. Andrew, can I get your thoughts on Bruno Fernandes? How is he, he gelling with the team right now? I think he's doing fine. I think he had a, an encouraging start against Wolves. He, he was the only one who liked to shoot on goal. And I think after 40 minutes of the, of the game today, neither, neither team had had a shot on goal. But he's got that attacking intent. He's got a lovely technique when he's on the ball. I watched him after the game, just stood outside the dressing room as he was speaking to different players. He just looks he looks very happy and satisfied. And he was speaking to some Chelsea players as well. And he, he basically looks like he's settling in quite quickly. He speaks very good English. He's in the middle of an exceptional season for himself. 
uh, that's all been with sporting uh, of Lisbon so far. But if he can carry on with Manchester United and if he can get his goals, I mean, he got an assist tonight and it was a great ball in and there hasn't been enough of them this season. And it's ridiculous that Maguire has only scored one goal with his head because when you think of how big and what a threat he can be, he should be scoring more than more than that. But Fernandez, he's um, got a lovely technique. He's he's balletic sometimes when he's on the on the ball. Uh, I think he brings others into play. I think he's got good vision. I think physically, which is sometimes a worry when players come to England, he's he's settled in absolutely fine. So he's had a good start, and I think as his confidence rises, we're going to see some goals, and we need them goals because with with Rashford out of the team and Pogba out of the team, you need players who are going to going to get goals but I think he's he's only played two matches it's still very very um, early for him but uh, I, I think he's done alright so far We'll get on to Paul Pogba very shortly but I also want to talk about the other goal scorer Anthony Martial 13th goal of the season and a, and a bit of attacking play from Anwan Basaka completely took us by surprise Laurie how are you feeling obviously you had the commentator's curse with your tweet just before Martial's <laughs> goal. I, I actually had stopped myself as well like about 10 minutes before that. There was two occasions in like in a minute where Martial had just shown the strength of a pillow to fail to hold up the ball. And I was so frustrated because it's just a classic uh, irritation with Martial that he is, um, you know, he's a brilliant finisher, well, can be, but that all-round centre-forward play is just really frustrating um, a lot of the time. So, anyway, yes, he, he then, you know, I tweeted what I tweeted, um, got a lot of response, and then, you know, seconds later he goes and, and gets a brilliant header onto Wambasaka's cross. I mean, he, he did superbly to get across Christensen, the direction of it, glancing, it, it was brilliant. I mean, when you look at Batshuayi and how many chances he had for Chelsea and, 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 miss it, and you know, missing them, and, okay, I know Martial screwed wide with that left foot chance just before that but um, you, you back him more often than not with the chances that he gets to score and 13 goals is, is, a, is a fine tally for the season so far uh, we'll need more of that from United from United's point of view um, and then yeah Wambasaka. I mean Solskjaer made the point I think he'd only got the cross for Rashford against Newcastle as, a, as an assist previously, but it was a really good ball. Um, I'd love to see more of that because he does, he hesitates sometimes when, particularly in that wing-back um, position, he, he kind of, it doesn't seem certain of himself. I think if he had just had more confidence to go with it, he, he could do really good work. Um, there was a, a moment before that where he, he stopped and passed back and gave it straight to a Chelsea player and, and then they're on the attack. So he should really have at least the faith because at least if he's going forwards then and he, and he gives it away, at least it'll be, you know, maybe a throw into United, you know, more certainly not a you know a defensive situation like he, he conceded. So um, no, but it was really it was out of nothing, wasn't it? You know, startling kind of goal. You know, Chelsea have been so good, but I suppose that's what United do have at all times. It's just that potential to score um, from nothing. So yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to see Wan Bissaka have, have that more confidence on a regular basis. It truly is. Uh... Manchester United do this often. There were victories over Tottenham Hotspur. There were victories over Manchester City. There was now another victory over Chelsea. How much can we really read into this one, Andy? You you were in the you were in the crowd there. What were the away fans like? They were loud. They were good. They were singing uh, for for Oli Gunnar when the team were winning. They were singing for Bruno with a really original song, which goes Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. <laughs> they were singing for Harry Maguire about him having a massive head. They sang for Harry Gregg, which I thought was really nice. And 
I like Stamford Bridge. He's so close to, to the pitch that the atmosphere is good. They were also singing about um, Manchester City fans perhaps not needing their passports and being able to put them back in the draw uh, because they maybe won't need to travel to European games uh, next year. So it was a good away end, as it often is at Chelsea. Even when United lost 4-0 at Chelsea uh, three or four years ago, the end was bouncing there. And that, that surprised me because there was a lot of defiance that day. It was a poor performance. But when they're winning, then it's going to lend itself to being a, a better atmosphere. It helped that the second goal was right in front of the away fans. And, and at the end, Oli Gunnar went up to the away fans and he, he was jubilant. He was punching the air. And I think that was not carried away after one win, but relief because... United had won one league game so far this year. It really hasn't been good enough in terms of results. And that was a big, big win against a direct rival um, for, for the Champions League. So good good atmosphere in that away end. And Bruges on Thursday, I think, aided by some Belgian drinks. It'll probably be good at Bruges as well. But what matters is that United, because as you, as you alluded to, they frustrate greatly. And just when you think things have got really bad, they'll pull a result out. They did it against Tottenham and then City in December. And they did it against Chelsea. What they can't do is what they did in December when they played Watford and get beat. Watford had won one and one in 17. And Watford are the next team to come to Old Trafford in the league. They have to beat Watford. They've got to be beating these teams lower down. You cannot be losing at home to Burnley and Crystal Palace. If it's isolated, yeah, okay, sometimes it's football, you get freak results, but there's been a, a, an awkward pattern to Manchester United's season where they're doing the difficult stuff, they're taking points off, off Liverpool, they're beating Chelsea and Chelsea and Chelsea, and then they're struggling against teams that they really should be beating. So they've got to build on it. They've got to get a run of games. They haven't managed it so far this season. And we're in February, and that's not good enough. And people are going to judge Oli Gunnar quite harshly if he's unable to get a team that can put two or three wins together. So really encouraging, but we've been here before. We've been here when they've had great results and they've been unable to capitalise on them. It's no good beating Chelsea away if you draw at home to Watford. They've got to beat Watford. And that was a big game against Chelsea, but all the games are big now. There's no reason why this team, they're going to have players coming back from injury, and they've got confidence after that win. They've got to kick on. They've got to be winning five or you know winning six out of seven games. That type of run, which shows that under Oli Gunnar, that they've got a brighter future. The sort of run that Oli was putting together when he was the interim manager. But speaking of uh, capitalising on chances, and speaking of Watford, there was a certain uh, lone striker who made a little five-minute cameo, Mr. Regalo. Came on the pitch, had a few neat touches, almost got a goal. Laurie, anything you can tell us there? That was a beautiful segue, Carl. Absolutely love that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Igalo, fair play to him. He came on and actually um, looked lively. You know, he, his touch looked good, held it up quite well, um, you know, laid it off. And then obviously gets the chance, goes through. And I was thinking, what a story this would be. Be- beautiful for the guy that clearly absolutely desperate to play for United has been doing all kinds of crazy exercises at Taekwondo UK in, in Manchester, um, you know, the quarantine, you know, just, you know, then comes on one training session with his teammates and potentially scores. 
you know, maybe if he'd had, you know, more games under his belt, he would have put it away. But to be fair, it was still a decent save, not a bad finish. Solskjaer was right in front of us. It was quite funny, you know, absolute agony on his face, turned around, kicked a chair and went, you bastard, uh, with a sort of smile on his face, which I suppose, listen, you're 2-0 up, you're, you're entitled to have a little bit of fun. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I saw encouraging signs. If that's what he's like, you know, uh, with one training session, I see, you know, every reason to think that, you know, a loan deal for him, you know, for the cost that it was, about four million, including wages and, and loan fee, is a perfectly fine piece of business for United. Andy, your thoughts on Nigallo and his little cameo there? Well, when he came through in front of the away end, <laughs> I think as a journalist, we had the stories already because it was a very good win for United and there's lots of side angles there. That would have just been the icing on a cake, if you like, because... He, he, he came on, there was even a Nigeria flag on the bottom tier of the United end, so it was all set up for him, but I would have settled for a draw against Chelsea and to get the win um, was brilliant and I'm sure he'll have his chances. Um, I watched him leave the dressing room and walk back to the team coach and he seemed to be settling and talking to his teammates and you, you don't know for certain what's going on in somebody's mind but if he's if he looks relaxed and and not agitated that that can tend to be a good thing he's going to get chances because of the injury to Rashford and if he plays like he did when he started out at Watford then great if he plays like he did when he finishing off at Watford then it won't be great and he'll be six it'll be a few months loan and thank you very much that hasn't worked out but good that he's a United fan and the, the club have got a big support in Nigeria as well so that's a an added dimension and I've seen the struggles that other clubs have had trying to bring strikers in. Chelsea, Barcelona have still not brought a striker in and they've got serious injuries to Luis Suarez and um, and Dembele but Manchester United brought a striker in. Uh, will he be a, a successful signing? Nobody knows but I'm glad that he's there and he wanted to come and he's got a, a good enough pedigree uh, that I hope it works out for him. He's certainly going to get chances because there's the FA Cup and there's the Europa League as well. There's going to be a lot of games coming up. One can only hope things work out. Now, that's a very good bout of on-pitch stuff that happened to Manchester United on Monday. Let's talk about some of the uh, greyer areas where things happen off the pitch. Just before kickoff, Mino Raiola had a pop at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer over his treatment, over, over his treatment of the client and slash prisoner, Paul Pogba. This seems to be an ongoing thing every single week we're on this podcast and we have a little segment called Paul Pogba Watch. Laurie, give me your thoughts here. Raiola is saying Solskjaer is treating Paul Pogba as a prisoner. What? What? <laughs> yeah, uh, if that's what a prisoner is treated like, then then I'll be, um, yeah, send me to jail right now. I mean, um, obviously, you know, it's, it's quite inflammatory language. He doesn't really mean it, does he? I mean, I was over in Dubai, if I'm allowed to drop that clang um, in uh, doing a piece on what footballers are, are doing over there. And I was at the Five Palm, uh, which is an ex- extremely exclusive uh, hotel. And, and we were speaking to the valley outside as the music was going on the pool party inside. And, you know, Paul Pogba was in was in there, you know, having a nice time, no doubt. He is teetotal, but he's entitled to let his hair down whilst he was in between doing training sessions, um, you know, over in the uh, at the NAS Centre, which is the Dubai's um, very um, high-end facility for, for, for sports. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly he's, he's been able to do what he likes to a large degree, uh, Pogba. Um, 
I mean, the, the, there's no love lost there, is there, between his agent and Solskjaer. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he was asked about it again um, after the game, Solskjaer, about the timing of Raiola's post and also about the sentiment. He didn't want to get drawn into it at all. Um, you know, I, I think what's what's irritated Raiola to the point of making this uh, statement is that Solskjaer came out in, in the pre-match press conference and said that you know Pogba is our player. He's he's not a um, he's not his agent's player. Uh, and Raiola is, is sort of taking that to infer that um, imply rather that um, that Pogba you know is, is beholden to Manchester United and nobody should own anybody. You know, etc. But I think Solskjaer was just trying to make the point that you know ultimately the, the the player pays the wages for the player and really they should be able to call on him whenever they like. But you know, as long as he's fit, um, which has been the key question for Pogba for a long time now. Um, yeah, but I mean, tellingly, when Solskjaer was asked pointedly, "Will Pogba play again?" he avoided answering that question uh, for United, obviously. Um, so yeah, I just see that this only ends one way. You know, in the summer, we 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 eventually get there, and Pogba, you know, is sold, and a replacement comes in. Um, I think that'll just be the best for all parties. It, yeah, it very much seems to be as if the Frenchman is serving out his notice period. And you've watched more Manchester United than anyone on this podcast possibly combined. Can you tell me, is this is this typical behaviour from a player agent? Uh, could Pogba tell Raiola to be quiet? He could do, but I wouldn't say that Raiola is a typical agent. He's always been bombastic, larger than life, outspoken. His absolute loyalty is to his players. I'm more concerned about Manchester United and I feel that Pogba is starting to lose the mainstream of, of United fans now. And I spoke to a lot of fans before the game and Raiola's comments didn't go down well. And I think a lot of fans are resigned and not too bothered if he's going to leave. They think they just want to think that they'll get a good fee for Paul Pogba. The this season has been played pretty much without Paul Pogba. He had a good season last year. Don't think it's worked out how fans hoped it would have done when he signed in 2016. Nor for Pogba either. It's probably not the dream he was sold when he, he wanted to go to Real Madrid. But it's become a sideshow. It's become a distraction. And it's not a good thing for anybody. Um, in mitigation, I think Pogba's always been um, professional. He's very polite. This isn't someone who's... Um, gone off heavy drinking he's not been unprofessional he didn't ask to be um, injured but it's becoming unsavoury now and Oli Gunnar I don't think he speaks with any malice he's just looking after the interests of the club and United are not going to let Paul Pogba go cheaply and nor should they, he's a world class footballer he's probably the most talented player at the club but there are other issues with him because he is the main man in the dressing room. And if your main man in the dressing room wants to leave the club, that's not a good thing either. And if players are looking up to him and they know he wants to leave the club, then that's not really perfect, solid foundations uh, for, for the, the best well-being of a football club. So I've always wanted it to work out with him. Even now, probably in a minority where I'd love him to be a success for Manchester United, but I just can't see it happening now. I've known that he's wanted to leave for, for a couple of years and I think the club will just try and get a good good fee for him. He's a world-class player and and move on. And it's just a shame that it hasn't worked out as all parties would have hoped. Today saw the sad passing of Harry Gregg, the Manchester United legend and reluctant hero of Munich. Um, Andy, could you tell us a few words about that? 
Yeah, you mentioned Munich, and that will always be uh, what he's associated with. He, he he went back into the burning, fractured wreckage of an aeroplane and saved people's lives when other survivors were running away from that aeroplane. And when the pilot said to him, um, move you bastard, it's going to blow, he didn't. He saved a young girl, um, a mother, and he went looking for his teammates. He went looking for Jackie Blancheflower, who'd been a childhood friend. He literally clambered over the dead bodies of some of his teammates and other teammates who he assumed were dead. He thought Bobby Charlton had died, and he hadn't, obviously. And he, he didn't want Munich to define his life, but I think it will do. He was a world-class goalkeeper. 1958, he was the best goalkeeper in the World Cup finals. And he never actually won a trophy, which is a shame. And it's a quirk because he, he was injured. Um, he was dropped for a, couple, for, a, for a cup final. And he saw the best team he ever played in decimated at Munich. And by the team, time that team was fully rebuilt, he'd moved on. He'd got longer in the tooth. He was, I wouldn't say confrontational, but he was quite a stubborn man. And maybe he was entitled to be after what he'd seen. But he was a, I think he was a, a great man. And I, I don't say that as someone who knew him well. I only knew him as a journalist. I interviewed him. But I know lots of fans who went to see him in Northern Ireland for various reasons. And they didn't just get a picture with him or an autograph. They went around to his house for two hours and just talked football with him. And they were virtual strangers to, to Harry Gregg. So I think history will remember him exceptionally well. We've seen Harry Gregg flags at Manchester United games for years, not just because he's died. There will be more. There'll be new ones coming out this weekend. I've seen designs for them already. And he lived to a great age. He lived till he was 87. And many of his teammates didn't reach 27. So he's had a very interesting life in the shadow of the Munich air disaster. Rest in peace. He was a great man. That is all from us today on Talk of the Devils. Thank you very much, Laurie. Thanks, Carl. And thank you very much, Andy. Cheers, Carl. Cheers, Laurie. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic to hear this show and many more. You can sign up right now to get a 40% discount using the promo code UNITEDPOD. Our show will be available for free via the usual podcast providers. Thank you once again for listening to the Talk of the Devils podcast, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We'll be back next week. <laughs>